Episode 26 of Gaming NBS, sponsored by darktheater.net, home of the character folio. Welcome to Gaming NBS, the show about role-playing games, tabletop games, and geekery. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome back, folks. Thanks for joining the show. We appreciate it. I was going to cut... I, want, I didn't tell Brett this. I kind of cut the intro short because I know it's too long and I haven't messed with it and actually gotten it shorter, so kind of did a fade thing so that you guys didn't have to listen to the, all the music, even though we think it's really freaking cool. Well, I'm mildly outraged at your um, just this ad hoc crap we didn't discuss in the uh, round the coffee. So I'm a little angry about I'm that. I'm going rogue on Brett. Fucking Richard Marchenko of uh, the podcasting world, just fucking rogue warrior. On Have me, you read man. that book? No, you brought it up oh, on, right. in the office the other day. That's right. And I've, now I've got that in my head. Somebody as soon as you said going rogue, I just hit me with it. Somebody posted on um, somebody posted on Google Plus about like. They're reading a book on warfare or something like that. And they said, hey, I like how these guys talk about the training piece of it or whatever. And I think it was, I want to say it was fictional. But they asked about like other books that would be kind of similar in that. I'm like, oh, dude, you got to read Rogue Warrior by Richard Marchenko, who was the founder of SEAL Team 6. Now, he did serve time and he got got in trouble and he did what he did go he was rogue. A crazy motherfucker he did go rogue but um man his book and his writing style was something else like he he tells it like it is and i mean i don't know it's a good book if you like uh military uh non-fiction he i it's a good one to pick up i think i read it when i was like god i don't know i i don't even I think I was past 18 when I read it. It's a really oh, good that book. One came, I remember selling the paperbacks that when that first came out. I was working bookstores at the time, so dating myself a bit there, but I do remember it coming out. Yeah. Cool. cool. Yeah, so there you go. There's a little banter that has nothing to do with gaming unless you're running a military-based game. Ooh. Topic. Well, it might it may come in because I won't talk about character creation. We're Ooh. talking about a man who is quite the character. So, oh, my uh, God, yeah. We might, I might be able to uh, just shoehorn that in there. Anyway. Uh, announcements. Uh, uh, I don't. Ha- I don't think I have anything. Um, no, I've I've got nothing really new. Well, I did. I did put something out there, and I didn't put it in our notes. Um, Game Hole posted posted something on Facebook. I cross posted to Google Plus for. I think at the Grum. I think I posted in Grumbling Dwarf or even to the general stream. But ACD, who is a distributor of gaming, um, here in Madison. They're, I don't know if they're number three, number two in gaming distributors out there. You know, they distribute role-playing games, board games, uh, ACD distribution. So every year they have what's called ACD Games Day. And it is an event that happens, I think it's only for one day, maybe two days, but the, the actual event is one day. And they invite every, all the publishers and gamers to come in and show off what they have coming out or something, but and it's managed by ACD. Kind of ACD's version of Origins type of thing? It's not really a con, though. 
Well, I'm just saying, Origins, it's a game. I think Origins, no, if I'm remembering correctly, used to be the place where you would demo your stuff or you'd sell it. You're talking about Gamma. Gamma, 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 Gamma. So it's kind of like, it is kind of like a Gamma trade show, but it's very obviously smaller and small. Um, I had the opportunity to go one year uh, because I actually worked in web and was interfacing with Boyan, or Bo as he's known, who is the producer of Tabletop with Will Wheaton. So before Bo, oh, okay, before okay. Bo was doing that with Will, he had known Will, but he was here in Madison working for ACD, and I he wanted he had this vision of this of the website for ACD, and he came to me, and he was going to be my customer. And in so doing, obviously, I'm a gamer, and I talked to Bo, and he's a really nice guy. And I can't I can't pronounce Bo's last name to save my life because it's Russian and I haven't learned enough from my wife. But it's uh, Radovich, Radovich or something like that along those lines. Bo, you know who I am. Uh, or I'll put Bo's Twitter handle in the show notes. But anyways, Bo invites me to this games day. He's like, yeah, you should come on out. You know, here here's a ticket or whatever. Steve Jackson was there, uh, John Kavalik. Uh, Flames Rising and uh, One Book Shelf, not One Book Shelf. That wouldn't have been a, that would have been a conflict. But Matt McElroy, who's here uh, local, mm-hmm. works for them, and a few other people that I know, kind of working around. and And they they put on like an event thing. Anyways, what I'm trying to get at is, if you're in the area or you're looking to just you know, hey, I don't have anything to do on that day, they're looking for volunteers for the show. Oh, cool. Okay. ACD. So you get in there and you get to look at all the cool games that are either coming out or are out. And they'll, you know, there's booths and people that deal with gaming. Um, I don't know where it's at this year. When I went, it was at the uh, convention center down on the lake. Um, they we'll did, get a link out there or something in the old show notes so folks can see it. Yeah. Um, when is the when is this thing? When's it happening? It's uh it's in our it's on our Facebook uh, our Facebook spiel, our Facebook page. Which which if you're not looking uh if you're not hooked up to us on Facebook, um let me know and I gotta get a code to log in. Can you damn it? Uh, yeah, two factor authentication, so I can't even see it on Facebook. ACD Games Day 2015, and this is happening on May 6th through the 8th in Madison, Wisconsin, at the Monona Terrace Convention Center. There you go. We'll put a. We've got the uh, ACDD.com. That's uh, Alpha Charlie David David.com, and uh, that will get you right to it. Well, it looks yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, it's neat. Yeah, you kind of. I mean, I think you might have the opportunity to run rub elbows with some. Some folks there. I don't know who would come from Watsy. I don't know if Chris Perkins came the year. He's got Watsy as Modi, Paizo. Yeah. Oh, neat. Yeah. I mean, it's some of the bigger names. That's cool stuff. Neat. neat yeah, neat, they, neat. they bring them in and kind of wine and dine those guys for a day. And then I think they one year took them on a Betty Lou Cruz. So Madison is on an isthmus. So here you go, gamers, and your vocabulary. Do you know what an isthmus is? Anyways, we have two lakes. That should give you a hint. And uh, Betty Lou cruises, they put them on a cruise around the lake, and the cruise kind of takes them around the lake shores and feeds them food and drink. And I don't know if they probably do that brings anymore. up the fact that the Native Americans who used to live here yeah, believe believe that it was horrible luck, bad luck to build on the isthmus because of shitty weather. <laughs> oh, that's possible. 
Uh, That's at, one of my favorite stories ask, about the Isthmus. <laughs> ask Otis Redding. Otis Redding. Yeah, he took there a, we go. He died in our lake uh, in an airplane crash. But anyways, um, yeah, I met Steve Jackson once. I mean, he won't remember who I was, but I got, you know, he walked up and started talking to John because John does a lot of his heart for Munchkin. And he's like, oh, there he is. And so it was the first time I'd ever seen Steve Jackson before. Uh, so it's kind of cool. If, you, if you're up for it, by all means, there's contact information in the post. We'll put a link to to that and you guys can look it up and and see if you can take advantage of it. That, oh. I think, is the only, I think that's the only... Well, that's the only big that thing that's happening local to us. So I think uh, I think we're good there. Shall we do the old uh, grayed out bit? Yeah. Wow, that was really loud. Michael Aldhauser, a friend of the show and sponsor, is the gamer behind the awesome dice bags available at grayedout.etsy.com. Yeah, I've got four of these awesome bags. These are stand-up bags, dual drawstring, tough as nails. He can do custom work. He's got a ton of things in his shop custom colors, you name it, he can pull it off for you. Be sure to mention Gaming NBS for a 10% discount when you place your order at the website grayedout, that's G-R-E-Y-E-D-O-U-T dot Etsy dot com. Yeah, thanks to Michael Aldhauser for sponsoring the show. If you've got a crappy dice bag and you're like me that used to use a sock and just tie a knot in the end of it so none of the dice would fall out. And then I had to tie a knot in the other end because it got a hole near the toes. <laughs> Buy a dice bag from Michael Aldhauser at grayedout.etsy.com. Sean the Hobo Gamer Kelly. There we go. I like this. <laughs> yeah, man. Random. Uh, let's do a random encounter. We only got one here. Uh, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. All right. All right, Random Encounter is where we uh, talk about any email or social media or whatever interactions uh, you have with us and want to thank you and recognize you. I want to thank a uh, listener and fan of the show, Chris Hussey. If you don't know who Chris, Chris is, he's a big Battletech guy. You'll, you'll recognize some of his Battletech stories if you ever listen to some of Fear the Boots back catalog and probably even current catalog. In current shows, so Fear the Boots, another podcast, man, I think they've got, I don't know how many, 500 episodes out there, just, they've been around forever, good group of guys, Chris has come on the show um, sometime, I don't know how many months ago, but he's done, he does Battletech, and he's big, he's actually written for Battletech back in the day for FASA, uh, a couple of submissions that way, but he Very does, cool. he does Table Tales series, which we pimped for him on the show some time ago it's kind of like the gamer stories we talk about like oh you're not gonna believe what happened to this you know last week in our game blah 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 they actually do it more like a um uh, a, a drama like a melodrama they actually do yes it, yes you know but they it's funny it's it's comedic a little bit but not not slapstick and laugh tracks but anyways he recognized us on his website at tabletalesseries.com uh, and that's tails with a A L E S the way it should be, not tail as in wagging. Sweet. Well, yeah. was pretty, thank you, Chris. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that was really nice. And then I think Mo Mo put something out there too. Oh, I think he, actually I'm stealing his for die roll. Never mind. Alrighty. So, anyways, yeah, that's that's it for um, random encounter. Not a ton, but yeah. If you have an email, uh, an email, email. If you have a question, suggestion. 
um, or just want to yell at us in a text, then, you know, you, you could do that. Um, or you want to leave a voicemail. Again, still have not received a voicemail yet. You would be it's the coming. first. You'd be happen. the first. Leave a voicemail um, and let us know if it's okay to put on the air. And even if we you don't let us know, we're going to put it on there anyway. We'll just zap out your name uh, if you don't want it plugged. But anyways, uh, our email, gamingandbs at gmail.com or Twitter at, you know, it's at gamingandbs.com. I think on... I think on Facebook it's, I think it's gaming NBS you know forward slash at gaming gaming NBS. Anyways, and then if you go gaming NBS podcast, yeah, gaming NBS podcast on Facebook, um, and then of course we have our community and our page on Google Plus, which will probably confuse everybody because you don't know which <clears> one to go to. Um, and then we so nine two nine big dice is the phone number for the voicemail. Correct. I'm looking at some some of the super fans out there. I know there's some super fans. You guys are listed on our website. Drop us a line. We will address it and um, mock you in a very friendly manner because you're our listeners and we care. We care. Nice. All right, man. Let's get into the topic of discussion, Brett. This is where I turn it over for to you to let me know why the hell we're talking about what we are today. <laughs> exactly. Well. Excuse me. We I alluded to it earlier. I'm talking about character creation, kind of needs and feeds, if you will. This is uh, the needs and feeds kind of comes from a uh, working in infrastructure IT as I do from a project management perspective. My network guys always have uh, speeds and feeds. You know what, what's coming in, where you need, and all that stuff. And I was thinking about, as I said last time, in episode 25. I'm, ta- I'm taking a break from being a game master. I'm starting to build some characters. My uh, my son who's uh, 15, wants to do some DM work. So I was working with him today, helping him get prepped for <clears throat> what he needed to do. And so my younger boy, AJ, and I sat down, made some characters. And it got me thinking about, you know, how much as a game master I want players to develop characters. You know, what bits and pieces, what do I need from them? And then as a player, what do I, what do I like to build up? And then also kind of talk about some of those pieces that we always forget, you know, <laughs> as a game master, what, what part of... Um, what part of that really cool background that Sean made that I just never got to or anytime somebody brings up X, Y, or Z, I just ignore it or whatever the case is. You know, kind of a bad habit, if you will, on, on both sides of the screen. So, Sean, I kind of thought <clears throat> this, this bled a little bit out of what we talked about in episode 25, a touch about how with my large group, sometimes I feel like I can't always help the characters get some of the uh, character development that they want. And looking at some of the detailed backgrounds that the guys have given me <clears throat> over the last couple storylines that we've run. So I thought, you know, let's let's just chat about it. So when we if I sit down, Sean, I'm gonna make a character for one of your games, and I give you, you know, hey, I am I, I'm a human, I'm a fighter, and uh, I grew up in this town, and both my parents are dead. They're killed by orcs. Is that enough, God. or is that just stupid, or what, what do you? you I mean, what do you? Want? What do you want from me? You gotta have parents in my campaigns, damn you it! Yeah, there's there's no room for Batman. Well, that's no fun. No, but seriously, how much? I mean, what do you expect to see? Do you expect to see like a page and a half? Is that too much? Do you just want me to have the data in my head? Do you want to read it? Do you take it and implement it into you know into your storyline, or does that not mean shit to you? Well, this because is, you're that kind of bastard. This is the bad thing about me and how I, I run games is that I don't look at the character backgrounds as 
as much as I should because I don't run homebrew most of the time. Yes, I can incorporate their backgrounds into a module if I want to or a pre-published adventure, but it really doesn't come into play. Now, would it be possible, say you had, I'm like that character-driven dude and that's I've, I've got to have it, i got to have it, that's how I enjoy my game. If I were to come to you and say, hey, Sean, what kind of restrictions or limitations do you want to impose on me? Is there anything in your in the game that I should make sure that I know? Should I can I know the mayor? Can I know the the dwarf from thus and such? Does that would you be like, no, 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 I want everyone. I don't want anyone to have an edge or anything like that. Or You know, what I mean, I don't I actually don't mind if people. So here's one that always gets uh, people for whatever reason the, I'll say, where are you from? And they'll go, I don't know. I don't know this world. And I'm like, dude, just give me a name of of this town that you're from or city, and voila, it then exists. So I don't. So yes, I'm all up for hey, I'm a friend of the mayor or I'm a friend of this person, and this is how I know them or whatever. And I'm totally if a if a person showed up. I would crap my pants if they had all that info. They may have a background. I guess what a I guess a lot of the background pieces I get really bored with because they're relatively the same and I don't tend to take advantage of it anyway. And even when I flesh things out, I don't as a player, the GM doesn't use my stuff either. So it's kind of like, "Hey, I put this effort into it, but it's never going to come to fruition." Although I've had GMs like in Doc's campaign recently, he'll say, okay, here's who you are. Like, you know, I'll say, I want to be a wizard. Okay, that's fine. Magic's low. Okay, fine. Here's how I'm going to fit you in. And I, I came in late to that campaign. So he said, here's how I'm going to fit you into the campaign. So he gave you the character background. He, he did. Said, Boom, this is how you're going to slide in. He did, yeah. Um, gave me the character background and how I would interact with pretty much all the NPCs and what my role would be. And I actually probably take off I'm kind of the guy who he feeds the most info through. Okay. Because I think I might have been an NPC had I not joined the party or he would have just DM'd it and got an NPC to kind of. Anyways, I'm a tactician, old military guy. Yeah. I come into this world that he's kind of doing the Game of Thrones thing. But all the other players are more plebe. And they don't have any, like, they do have backgrounds and they do have histories, but there's, you know, he's like big battles. You talk to kings, you know history, you know generations. These guys are like 20-some years old. They don't have all that background. So, so you're, the old, you're the old wise man in the group. Exactly. So when they- May not be like 20th level, but you've got yeah. years of college experience and knowledge yeah. and book training. And I'm playing a 60-year-old wizard. Okay. So okay. when the when the tactics come up about these big battles that we're going to go and investigate on the lands or the borders of the king, the the regent's kingdom, I am kind of like, what 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 are we going to do, or how are we going to do it? And then I kind of take the info and make some tactics rolls and then feed it. But anyways, regardless, in that respect, the GM has given me a lot of the info that I know as a player. Okay. Now, what I have done in the past with my group or groups, um, if I run a, a one-shot, you know, when I run it for the the one high school group I run for, or a con game or something, it's, it's very basic. Boom, here's you, your personality, 
type and, or some kind of guidance and so on. But if I'm running a, um, a story or a campaign that's going to go on for a little bit, what the players usually do is they say, okay, what's the, what's the setting? Where are we at? <clears throat> so if like for my murder city sci-fi game, I broke down, Hey, like I've talked about pre on previous episodes, you know, here's what the wiki looks like. Here's where all this data is. Or when I've run my Avalon fantasy world, Hey, you're in the city. It's this ward of the city, this type of thing, these types of races or whatever are out. These are the ones that are in for this story. Great. They work with that. Then the guys come up with, <clears throat> excuse me, these uh, backgrounds, you know, I'm a blacksmith and my parents came from the outlands and this, that, and the other thing. And then what happens is that in play, if I am not bringing this stuff up, I've encouraged the players over the years is that, guys, if I'm forgetting that you have, you know, um, at one point, Zave and JR, both of them, they played brothers, and their characters are looking for the guy who killed their dad or their parents, basically the rest of their family. So at one point, they bring it up. And then I'm like, no, no, that the person, the description is not in this bar or whatever the case is. A session later, they bring it up again, and then they kept bringing it up. I'm looking for this person. Do I see them? I'm going to take some time and go do this. I want to follow up on this clue we had from our background. Remember, Brett? Okay, great. So they kind of, if you will, forced my hand to say, hey, what's going to happen with this? Now, I could have drug it out. No, nothing, 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 nothing. But <clears throat> I figured it would be a great little sideway, side thing. So it took one of the NPCs that I kind of planned to use for something else and also happened to make him be the guy that killed their parents. Um, he's kind of a throwaway NPC anyway, who was just going to provide some data to the players. And I'm like, okay, great. I'll have him also be that guy, which just amped up the uh, amped up that encounter and made it a little more memorable for everybody involved. It also gave some closure to the to the boys, the the brothers, because they went through this thing and uh, got that type of closure, and they had to figure out what they're going to do next. That was their goal. Um, how is this going to change their life or what what they do from here? Type of thing. <clears throat> so, for me, I. What I try to do is give the setting info so that they have an idea when I say, where are you from? Even they could say, well, I'm from, I want to be from outside the city. Okay, great. Uh, here's a town name. You're from there. All right. And I want it so that um, I used to be a butcher and this, that, or the other thing happened and I've become a ranger now. Great. You have that. <clears throat> so what I let them do and I encourage them to do, or I try to anyway, is to get them to bring their backgrounds to bear whenever they feel it's appropriate. <sighs> On the downside, though, is that if you don't have enough encounters um, with each individual person where they have the limelight, right? So if there's, again, with a large group, or even with five, four or five people, if you're going and there's a lot of combat, a lot of kind of going through a dungeon crawl, you really don't have the opportunity to say, remember that guy who, you know, um, murdered my sister and I've been looking for him. Yeah, I'm like five levels down this ancient dwarven hold. This really doesn't mean shit to me. So based on the setting that I'm setting up for the players, they tend to, at least in my with my group, they tend to work their backgrounds in such a way that it fits, right? So that if they know this is going to be an old school dungeon crawl, we're going to end up five levels down in some ancient dwarven hold, they'll have a reason to be down there because they owe one for the dwarves. Um, lust for adventure or something, or my dad died down here, but it's all tied towards that thing. Um, every once in a while, somebody has the, well, I need to, you know, I'm down here to get as much treasure as I can so I can go back home and marry the woman I love because if I don't have this this money, her father will never let me marry her. So sometimes that's tied outside that, that old school dungeon crawl, but there's always something that drags him into it. Does that make sense? 
It does, and I've actually contemplated why, uh, how much say the players have in their backgrounds. Now, I think conventionally there's a lot. So they make up a guy, and this is their concept. <clears throat> and you ask them about their background, and they, they come up with their background details. However, if you think about life, there's a lot of things that you have no control over. And that's where I, I do, if nothing else, I, I've learned over the years, and this is from 15 plus years <coughs> of playing vampire, is that if I said, sure, make something in the werewolf system, just make make whatever. Somebody is going to show up with a Bali, some weird bug demonic vampire thing. Someone else is going to show up with this other jacked up vampire breed that White Wolf in their intimate you know, infinite wisdom back in the day made. I'm like, oh, fuck, I hate that thing. But I told him you can make whatever you wanted in the city, and <clears throat> I've got to find some way to shoehorn this in, you know. And that's a pain in the ass. And it's kind of like when you're going, and I, I really learned this more after playing Call of Cthulhu for a while, running it. When people would show up and like, well, I'm, you know, um, a World War One vet, or I'm a military background, I'm a boxer, I'm a this, I'm a that, and so on. And the adventure I've planned is a library crawl, for lack of a better term, right? I mean, you're, it, the whole concept is this very antiquarian group of men and women that are supposed to be operating in this high society type of setting in London or in New York, wherever the case is. And then out of nowhere, I've got guys like, well, I'm a, I'm a dumb farm boy. I strap dynamite to myself and I have a dead man switch, so just in case. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit in any way. But I, the dumbass, let the player make whatever character he wanted to without giving any limitations. And unless I'm prepared to kind of shoehorn that stuff in or unless I'm prepared basically to look the player in the eye and say, Sean, you made a dumb farmer with a strap dynamite to his body with a dead man switch. You have no place in this game. You'll have nothing to do. As long as that's fine with you, that's cool. You know? Yeah, no, I I think the restrictions are fine because you got to outline the the type of game that you're going to facilitate as a GM um, and make sure that all the players kind of fit into certain, certain holes, I guess my, my thinking is that like they're the history part. So I think there's a point in time if you were to look at regular people and you equate that to role-playing games, say, there are things that are going to occur that are going to be outside my control. So, you know, I could, if you were to make up a guy or gal in a game that I was running and I say, here's the game we're playing, even if it's just a generic D and D five E game. And I say, come up with a background or, but I I would probably uh, maybe stipulate and say, Come up with a background from this point forward, which means, which would be probably from like your teenage years or your low 20s forward. Because that's stuff that you you would have. You would be able to dictate. Do you want more recent history instead of I remember this time when I was four? No. Well, I don't think somebody can say, well, I grew up as an orphan. Oh, really? Are you dictating that or is it the GM? Because, you know, so for example, if somebody were to GM me, me, Sean, as a player character, why this is going to get weird. If I was to meta myself as a player character and I said, okay, my parents got divorced when I was younger and I grew up 
with my single mom and my sister, that's that those are things that are dictated almost by the world, by the NPCs, not by me, the player, not my be not me, the player character. Do you see what I'm saying? I I do, but I think this is one of those few times when players have almost absolute agency, right? Where they're making their character. And if that I grew up as an orphan, I grew up in the um in a home where my parents got divorced and that really had this impact on me. And it, it's kind of that, if you will, you know, two cents worth of internal psychological, you know, eval that you're going to do on your character. I think it's, I think it's okay to do that. And if nothing else, um, if I were to say, well, I grew up as an orphan and then this, that, and the other thing happened to me. But I, I do get where you're saying is like, look, I, I basically don't want to go all the way back to your childhood. I want to go back into who you are now, right? I get where you may or may not have come from, but where you have been in the past 10 years has more impact on the current storyline that we're going to talk about than wanting to hearken back to that time when you were five and the neighbor's dog bit off your ear, right? I mean, that's something you could come up with in color commentary during the game, right? Where if we're talking about, you know, you spent your ex-army, right? So you spent time in boot camp, this, that, and the other thing, and... That's important to this adventure we're doing. And at some point, somebody says, well, you know, th- th- there's a dog here, you know, and, and there's a guard dog or something. And you decide to bring up, you know, hey, you know what? I don't like dogs. Somebody else has to do with it. What, Sean? You don't like dogs? No, when I was a, when I was a little kid, there's this dog who used to chase me down the street. I just I don't fucking like dogs. That's a brief bit that you could throw out kind of on the fly. That as a game master, it really doesn't do anything for you. And if I were to give you that, you may or may, it may be too much data for you as a game master to work with to try to fold it in or feel like you're obligated to try to fold it in. Is that where you're going, or am I totally way the hell off? I may be jumping around a little bit more than than anything. I just I guess what I'm trying to say is when we make a player character, it's always been assumed that the player has full agency in their character's background. Correct. And I think at times there are things that happen in life that is not in the power of the play, of the character. I think that's fine. You just list it out as a limitation then, saying, look, your character was an orphan. You were raised by parents that had, that had been divorced. You were raised by your grandparents. You have no idea why. They never explained it to you. And you over there this. You can hand those limitations out or those specifications because those are the things that fit in the story you want to tell. I don't, I don't see that being a problem. I think you can, and I don't think that may be a problem to you, but I don't think that's the way it's normally handled. That's true. I mean, if I were to come to your game and I was, and you were to run it in, say, Greyhawk, I'd be like, well, I'm from Ferundi, and this is this, that, and the other thing, or I'm from the free city of Greyhawk, and I want to blah, blah, blah. I want to be, you know, wherever. I want to be from the Grand Duchy of Jeff or whatever the well, case is. Let me interrupt. So you and you like so for example, I want to be from the city of Greyhawk, right? So the mm-hmm. the player says I want my character to be from the city of Greyhawk. I think it's just as much in the GM's hands to say no, you're not. However, you always wanted to be. Yeah, there's no problem with that. You can have a good back and forth. You know, if I want to have this no, 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 I have to be there. Tell me why. Well, I'm thinking that's the only city that would really give me this advantage I'm looking for or this story hook, or I really think this would be kind of fun. I could say, well, no. Um, actually, you could have the same thing from this other city or whatever else that plays a more prominent role in this particular story than it would the Free City of Greyhawk is just really has no bearing on what we're going to be doing. So I, I don't think that's a good move. 
I think I'm getting into the weeds that I don't necessarily need to get into, but I just, I always thought about how much say does, and I would, and trust me, I am the person that says, give me a player, character, background, blah, blah, blah. And if they do it great, most of the time I'm not expecting it. But, you know, if a new, it's funny when you, you've got a group and they start to play, the player background comes in the first session and then it never comes in again. Or somebody's going to join the party after the game has already kicked off. Then it's kind of like, how do you fit them in? And maybe a component of their background comes into play. But I always had, I mean, it's just something that I've always thought of in the past. Like, you know, who am I to dictate where my player character is from? Maybe that's, some things are not in our power. Therefore, the GM may dictate in an, in a somewhat impartial way and frame it properly. So maybe I like to be from Greyhawk, but unfortunately I'm not. My parents aren't rich enough. They weren't in that area, whatever. That leads to the story. And maybe because of that, I resent my parents because they weren't of well-to-do and lived in Greyhawk. And so that's why I end up in Greyhawk because I got stuck in podunk freaking bumfucked Egypt and now I want to be in Greyhawk because that's where it's at and that's where you so that creates that's kind of like a limitation set on by the GM to well, there's a, a cool piece though that yeah. we're getting at here is that if you if this is starting the collaboration effort right because we there's been many different analogies about what a role playing game is it's a collaborative art form it's collaborative storytelling collaborative theater whatever the hell you want to say but collaboration is big right so if I, as a game master, am part of your character's background development, no Sean Greyhawk doesn't work here. I'd prefer you to be from the Duchy of Jeff because that's really where we're going, where it's going to be at. Oh, really? Yeah, it's going to be over there more. And what you're looking for, I can get you, but we got to tone it down and tweak it, and I need you to be from this end. You can't be Sue Louise. I need you to be from you know this, this branch or this race of man, or this isn't a quite, quite how it works. I think this is going to fit better for you. When we have that back and forth, um... Now I am bought into your character's background. <clears throat> I understand it. I know what you're trying to get out of the game. And I understand you know, how to help you get the most because I'm helping you build something that's going to fit in the adventure or adventures that I'm stacking up for you. So I think if you started out of the gate, and I, do, I, I pat myself on the back, but I think I do a fair job of that most times. The last couple times, though, I have had characters... Uh, or should say players, that show me these great character backgrounds. I breeze through and go, yeah, okay, that's that's good. And that was one of the reasons I needed to take a break was because I stopped doing some of that initial collaborative piece. When I would get a great write-up from somebody like Kevin, and I'd see it, and I'd be like, okay, Dot Hector, okay, wife, child, okay, got it. But there was a lot of great stuff in there that I didn't have a good back and forth with him on. And granted, some of the guys like to put out you know, eight paragraphs. They'll do an Austin, right? <laughs> you know, where Austin already right. a huge post. I'll get a great big background. And sometimes somebody will go blurb here. This is all I want. And that's fine. But I should be able to sit down and take some time to parse through it and say, that works. This doesn't. I mean, I did spend time with Zave one day where I was just hanging out at his place waiting for the game. And he was talking about character concepts for the upcoming game. This is a number uh, a couple years back. He said, oh, I think I'd like to have this. I said, uh, you're taking that too far. It doesn't quite go that way. And we were able to have a back and forth and we built his character's background together. I have found, so I guess where I'm going is when I do help you build the background, tweaking it, modding it, whatever cases or limitations, whatever we want to say it is, then that collaboration begins at the beginning. And I find as the game master, then I am more likely to use 
those cool background notes in the storyline in some way because it, I was there. I helped make it. So I have a question on backgrounds. How how often and how – I mean, is that – when you – because you're a homebrew guy and you sit down yep. and say – I'm going to do this up, man. Let's go. Let's game. And you have players create stuff. Let me know your concepts. Send them to me. And they do it. How much do you take and actually incorporate it into the either campaign arc or individual adventures? Like how much? So if, because Kevin and say Austin do, there are a couple guys we game with. Kevin and Austin do pretty in-depth details let's say they do i don't know maybe a half uh, half page might be stretching it um maybe a quarter, well, I've got a, I've quarter got a, page i've got a very specific example my buddy um uh beta one of the bills i game with there's alpha and there's beta beta came in later hence the name beta anyway point as long is, as we don't get a gamma no 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 delta no, no, no. charlie golf that. no boy that so makes that make is, interesting a military campaign beta alpha would. alpha beta that's actually more <laughs> alpha bravo but how come yeah. you guys don't call them bravo um, I don't know. I think it was more of an alphabet thing. I don't know. Anyway, that any- Greek shit, man. <laughs> I know. So Beta makes a guy in my Avalon game all back, Beecher. And Beecher's a torturer. And he says, hey, I want to belong to a torturer's guild. And I've got this concept. I have no clue in my head that there isn't, even is a torturer's guild. <clears throat> makes no sense. However, the way I built up the Avalon city is it is guild heavy. Motherfucker, there are guilds everywhere for everything. I'm like, you know what? Why not? This works. He lays out for me how he thinks this should work and where he is and how come he's this way. And he goes, what do you think that should work? I said, well, let's change this. Let's work on that. Now I think that's too powerful. Let's tor- torque this a little bit. And I had I took that and went, this is really cool. So the story didn't have to have the torturers in it. But I had a guy who knew how to torture people. It's what he did for a living. And to hook him in, I'm like, this is actually pretty cool. Because now he can be brought in to the bad guys when this event is happening, okay, great, yeah, 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 I, I can totally work with this. And because of Beecher, I now have an entirely different piece of my Avalon setting that is around the Torturers Guild, how they interact with different people, how they have safe houses in various different inns throughout sections of the city that um, they they pay uh, basically rent to for different rooms where they can you know perform their work, how they're <clears throat> um, immune from legal prosecution if they do certain things and the documentation is proper. I mean, I have all this now because Beta decided to make Beecher the uh, the torturer. So I use it. I see. Well, and that's that's what I was wondering because if you're looking for players to come up with backgrounds, how much do you want? And if you're not going to use it, what's the freaking point? And I think uh, I'm I'm bad. I'm just I'm simply bad. As a matter of fact, it's on my to do list to go back to my 5e group that we meet every Friday and go over. But the thing is, I'm running a pre-published module. So a lot of their backgrounds aren't going to freaking matter. I'm just going to hand wave it, but they're going to be the class that they are, interacting with each other, bleh. See, I would say there's a couple different things that, if I were to look at it and dissect it, which I'm going to do, um, <laughs> Let's put this I would under say a microscope. Let's Freud. take a look at this. What the fuck are you doing, Sean? Anyway, um, to me, unless unless I miss my guess, this is your first time rolling five E. I think this is. I'm pretty sure this is Kevin and perhaps Austin's first time playing five E. So it's just kind of an exploratory game, right? I mean, we, we played D and D before. We get that. We're cool with it. 
but we're exploring a new system. And sometimes then the character background, if it doesn't get brought in, that's okay. You know, you're, you're trying to figure this thing out in a pre-published setting. There's, to me, there's some slack that's involved. If well, I were to say, look, guys, I've never run. Dude, we're not playing Fate, for Christ's sake. No, 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 no. <clears throat> I mean, you no, know what I'm saying? What? It's like, I mean, I don't think, I mean, I get what you're saying, but we're talking D&D. It's not like. Fair enough. It's okay. not like Fate. It's not like, <clears throat> you know, uh, something like we're not playing Fiasco. It's not, it's not. So it, cutting edge, crazy. What I'm saying is that if you played 1E, 2E, 3E. 4E, 5E, or something it's like that. It's like you pulled out, you know, yeah, like, um, what, a Hill Folk or one of those drama system games. Right. It's not a completely crazy. different system. Like, oh, how does my background actually work in this game system? Okay. I don't know. So what I'm saying is that, yes, we are exploring 5E, but at the same time, I don't think background has to be scrutinized just because it's 5E. You know, no, but, okay. Right. Fair enough. So if I throw that out then, then I would say, well, the other thing that, Perhaps if I were to look back and you were to say, Brett, what do you think? I'd say, well, where do you want him to be from within the Fandelver portion of the realms and tell them they've got to be from the area? Give them limitations on some of those things or pick a couple NPCs and say, you know, you know, Timmy the Timmy the scullery guy, you know, this dude from the blacksmith shop or whatever the fuck ever. But again, that's part of it depends on the expectation that you set out at the beginning. Right, right. And I, I do think with any game, and we're, we tip, I mean, if it's not a, sh- I mean, if you've listened to us, then more than three episodes, it's pretty safe to say that we're running more fantasy D twenty ish D and D ish games, whether it's OSR, Pi- Pathfinder, or D and D. So to keep that in mind when we're talking, and but when we when we start a campaign and it takes place in a certain area, I will, I will throw it out there and say it starts in this area so either be from that area or tell me why why you're there okay right because i think you kind of have to i mean okay you're in neverwinter or whatever why am i there and some so you you nip that in the bud before the adventure even starts you just say hey you're going there you're going to be there that's where it's going to kick off so please tell me how or why you're there and then I don't really give a shit after that. Because some of the, I mean, if I think of some of the old pre-published modules, right, I used to say you were on a caravan and then a sandstorm hit and now you're stuck outside a pyramid. Okay. Oh, it's our man. That, our whole Done. first edition AD&D, man. That, there was no fucking about. I started <sighs> here, you ended up here, and in you, in you go. There is, so, I mean, yeah, none of that shit matters back then. No, it's it just didn't. like you just sit down and go, I have, I have four adventurers and you – open up the page one and you say, you find yourself venturing through the desert, blah, 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 blah. I mean, like your Pharaoh or even, uh, I'd been reading, you know, the, uh, elemental God blast it all. Temple of elemental evil. Thank you. And you know, I mean, you're going through Hamlet, but it doesn't matter what you, who you are or where you come from. You're like going through Hamlet and this is, and it details all the freaking nonsense bullshit that you don't even need to know. It's ridiculous. Like every damn building and who's there and has no relevance to anything else. I'm like, dude, Gary, Frank, you could have nixed like a ton of shit out of this thing. The editing wasn't a big thing back then. Jesus. <laughs> now, if I, I'll tell you what, though, when, when Lenny's running and he's got his uh, World of Darkness game going, he's using the, uh, the new World of Darkness system. 
um, by White Wolf or Onyx Pathfinder, whomever the fuck they are. You but really anyway. should get that down because every time you bring up White Wolf, you're like, I don't know, from whoever uh, Onyx. It's Onyx. I think Onyx I don't know Path who the hell publishes this thing anymore. It's Onyx Path, no, <laughs> Onyx somebody, whatever. Point is, is it's it's a modern it's a modern setting, and I played with him before, and I'm going to have an opportunity to come in as a as a character the next time he gets together, which will be fun. But one of the things that for me as a player, and I've I've said jokingly slash seriously that I'm not necessarily the best of players because of my penchant for being bored with the character, you know, within two seconds. But one of the things I like to be able to do is I've got a brief bit of history that has enough open ends that I want to be able to develop shit on the fly. Now, granted, maybe uh, fate might be better for this or some other system. If I were to think system might be better for it, but you, you know, take that out as a player when I make a character, I want to be able to make shit up on the fly because it keeps me interested, keeps me thinking, and I'm on my toes, and I like that. And I want to be able to <clears throat> weave together my own per- my own character's story in the midst of everything else that's going on. So I do look at Lenny, and I've come up with stuff in the past when he's when he's run this before, and I said, well, this would make sense to me because X, Y, and Z, right? He says, well, actually, no, that doesn't fit, and here's why. Okay, I get it. All right, so I'll, I'll tell him that back. So we kind of do, if you You're will. You're trying to be a GM as a player, asshole. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, but no, I mean, I, I don't want to have to sit down and come up with five pages of stuff. And because I don't mind player agency in the group when they say, well, Lenny will say, well, you know, I, I grew up here, so I'm assuming I know all about this this thing that that was in town, right? I grew up in this town, and what you're telling me is this is a landmark. I grew up in this town. I should know at least basic knowledge of landmark, right? I'm like, yep, you got that. Here you go. Yeah. <clears throat> so I expect to be able to do the same thing back when I'm playing. So if I was playing with you, Sean, and I had a character, whatever the system was, you know, even a sci-fi game, a Star Wars game, for example, and from Hoth or some, I don't fucking know. I would say, well, you know, where I grew up, blah, blah, blah. And I would expect you to say, oh, yep, that makes sense. That's a good part of your background. I'll let that go as flavor text or whatever the case is. I don't often want to use that as an excuse to <clears throat> break a plot line, be an asshole player or anything like that. I'm just trying to do it as a way to have a kind of an expose, if you will, on my background. It's right. fun. Yeah. You know, just giving, just taking a little bit of limelight for a second. Go, hey, I remember this because when I was in school, this happened to me. Oh, cool. Oh, you too? Yeah. We have a little character back and forth. Off we go. So I don't necessarily build some of the uh, longer and short-term goals that a lot of the guys in my group will do <clears throat> or other players I've seen do where like Kevin uh, and um, <clears throat> JR and Zave, for example, when they had their, their brothers who were looking for their parents' killer and Kevin's guy in my sci-fi game looking for missing family. Families. I, I seem to kill a lot of families in my games, which might be why they, they murder families ahead of it for your, me. You got, <clears throat> you, it's funny. It's like you're a GM and they have all their little like – I got to do this and I got to do that. And you're just like, <laughs> I just show up and let them find their family, hunt down their killer. <laughs> hey, yeah, uh, done here's that. the big plot. Um, I hope you see it someday. Yeah, someday, right? There's a guy over here looking at you weird. I don't care. Well, hey, he mentioned my mother. I'm going to kick his ass. I'm going to follow him. Where is he going? Whoa, hold on a second. Now, as a player, Sean, would that, if you're playing in my game and you sat down and you're like, okay, what are we supposed to be doing tonight? And I'm like, well, one playing Minds of Fandelver. And come to find out, most of the people 
um, for whatever reason, that session, I shouldn't say most, but somebody decides they could give a fuck about the mines and they're after the blacksmith because that's the bastard who cheated him two years ago when he's got some petty vengeance fetish against the blacksmith. And so he spends time on his petty vengeance fetish in the game. Does that just, do you care about that? Does that piss you off as a player? What do you think? Yes, no. As a player? As a player yeah. watching this? Yeah. Or as a player, even as a game master, right? Like, if I want to do that, the reason I'm asking is because my guys do this to me all the time. Do they really? <clears throat> totally. They'll have a character. Like I said, Zave and Jay are like, fuck it, I capture my torch from the death. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, and it was a bit on the plot. Do you give a shit they, or not? Maybe you don't care. I don't care. It doesn't well, bother me. Well, if it doesn't bother you, then big deal. I, mean, no, I don't know about I, the other players. <clears throat> Does it bother the other players? Not that they've told me. Yeah, a lot of this is, a lot of this podcast is just, um, it's like a, a counseling session for Brett it's ta- sort of- talking about his own game group. <laughs> <laughs> but I, no, I'm, I don't know. Let me think about this. So if I, if that happened in your game, so in the minds of Fandelver you're running right now, well, if somebody were to say, look, I'm going to go after this. I'm falling in love with a barmaid and I really want to push that. And I'm not going to go to the mines until tomorrow because I promise I'd take her out. Well, you know, what, the, what do the other players do? So that's, so you just you'd look at the inner the party and let them hash it out. Say, dude, get the fuck back here. Where well, we got this job to do? Here, you know, there's a there's a few things that could happen in that whole that whole take. We're I don't. So there's a few things that can happen, and it depends on how you want to take it as a GM. As a GM, you could say so. There GMs, I think, uh, a lot of us tend to start to think outside of the game. Right. Okay. That's not right. That's pissing me off. He's not following the plot point. Hey, so many. Hey, seriously, dude. Or you can do it within the game. So, one way to handle like something specifically that you mentioned, where somebody wants to, you know, fall in love with the barmaid and chase her all over, maybe the barmaid's not interested in them. Okay. So, right. So, you put that, your GM, you're like, well, I'm going to put the squash down. They're not interested in him. And then if he doesn't get the hint, all of a sudden dad gets in, in the middle, right? Oh, but I'll win over dad. I'll win him over. Right, right. Then you're going to win over dad. That doesn't happen. To the point of, all right, you know, whatever. And then if the player characters uh, decide to interject and say, dude, we really need you to come with us, you can chase her after the fact. That's fine. But I think there's got to be some point. I mean, shit, not all of us do one thing all day. Like I don't wake up go to, uh, I don't know, where do I stop every day? I don't go to Starbucks or something, grab a coffee, and then, oh, I see somebody I like, uh, and then I, I, in, I'm infatuated and I show up every day and stalk her every hour of the day, right? I got to go to work, I got to do my thing, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, dude, if you're going to be a G, so this goes kind of to some of our other podcasts. If you're going to be a player and you're going to do that and you're going to be a dickhead, quit being a dickhead. See, to me, part of that also comes when I talk about you know, player backgrounds, you'll have those players who are, I, <clears throat> I'm a womanizer, I, you know, I'm, I'm out for this, or I, I like to carouse, or I like to do this, and you make this stuff, and you're yeah. like, whoa, 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 you can't make me compromise my character background, Sean, though. This is what I like to do. I'm obsessive about this type of thing. It says so you right here on my sheet. don't do it 24-7. That's just the way it is. No, no, it says I'm obsessive. You have to let me. Well, so that's where well, hey, you know what I, I say? come in. And, you know what you say? Hey, man, you're at the bar trying to win over the hussy 24-7. Other guys, what are you guys going to do? We're going to go to the caverns, man, and we're going to get rich. All right, let's go. Dump him. Nope, nope. Hey, man, what about me? Uh, I'm over here in the bar. I'm trying to – that's fine. Okay, Good you're, you. you're doing your that. thing. You're doing your Enjoy thing. That. Yeah. 24-7. Have yeah, fun with that. 24-7. You know, I just unfortunately can't GM you 24-7. 
right? Your guy. Here's what's happening with your guy. You're you're pursuing and she's not interested and you're pursuing and she's not interested. You know, re- rinse, repeat for the next three hours. These guys are going to go off to the caverns and seek their fo- fame and fortune. Uh, in three hours, I'll get back to you. Yes. Okay. Shit, man. And in three hours in game time, that could be a few sessions. That's a long fucking time. <laughs> you could say the, like, hey, Sean, we go to the caverns. Yeah, that's like a half day's time. You know, okay, well, half a day's gone by. You enter the caverns. You get into a combat. The combat takes an hour in real time, but the combat in the game actually takes five minutes. So yes. all this no, time, this other player is sitting on their ass trying to win old barmaid over. So if we take that then and say, okay, that's so we kind of reached into the problem player bag, right? Where the guy mm. won't take a hint. He or she will simply not take the hint that, look, I'm all for you trying. And we had a little good back and forth. It was cute. It was fun. But it's becoming old and you're belaboring the point. Move the fuck on. So Dude, even Han Solo got to re- rescue the princess and he wasn't interested. <laughs> I mean, he was convinced like, hey, dude, she's rich. What? Yeah. 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 I bet you somebody so, paid a lot of fortune. Oh. So as a player, though. Um, and maybe even as a GM, because we're as Lenny will give me shit for this, because I, I don't play enough, perhaps to to really have a good perspective on this. But one of the things that I feel I, if you take the time and put it, and we do the collaboration up front, we build the characters' background together, we have a good back and forth. I put you in the right part of Greyhawk. I put you in the right part of of wherever in uh, a Dresden's universe, or you know wherever the wherever the case may be. I, I get it. I'm in Chicago. World of Darkness, fucking vampires. I get it. Now, as a game master, I feel I need to help them develop their character in some way. So when such a thing happens, like with the barmaid or the local fence or this actress or or actor or something like this that the character's into or or whatever small thing that they want to do, I feel I need to be able to give them some sort of progress on that personal thing. Like you said, it's not all day 24-7. That's kind of like I have a job. I'm there 40, 50, 60 hours a week, whatever the hell it takes sometimes. And RPGing is my hobby. I want to be able to make progress on my hobby. It's really nice to be able to do that. In a gaming world, I have to do this thing in the city because I'm part of this occult monster hunting thing. On the side, though, I am a recording artist. I don't know, fuck, whatever else you came up with. So it seems to me that you should as a game master, then give them at least an opportunity to advance that bit of their character background. Otherwise, one, what the hell did you let me make all the, spend all this time for or tell me I should or, or maybe you told me you, <clears throat> maybe the answer is, well, don't you know, tell them not to, to worry about all that stuff. But to make it real and to make the character more than just a two-dimensional cardboard cutout, people want to have that extra depth to it. So I'm not saying every session – but I'm saying at some sort of at some point you need to help them bring a short or long term goal that their character has to a close. Well, I think you gotta right? throw him a bone every once in a while. Absolutely. If he wants to be a womanizer, throw him a woman once in a while and then I don't know, then fuck, then screw with him a little bit. Make the woman a lesbian or something. Yeah, or just make it so that, you know, <laughs> she's actually she's actually a demon in disguise or something like that, or whatever yeah, the case is. She's working for, for the bad guys and the bad exactly. guys are gonna ax her when she they find out that she's in bed with you. Yeah, man, there's all kinds of stuff. As a player, my biggest, my biggest, well, I shouldn't say my biggest, but one of my problems is that when I do have a background or whatever it is, 
as soon as I find something I wrote about it that's boring to me or I seem to not want to do anymore for whatever reason it doesn't fit, I just fucking drop it. Even if it's a core piece of my character, I'm like, ah, that was boring. It doesn't seem to play. I drop it. And right or wrong, I don't um, I don't mind doing that. It doesn't bother me. And as a GM, when I see players, I'm like, wait, wasn't your guy all about this? And the player will go, yeah, but the way the story's going, it doesn't make any sense that I'm all about, you know, collecting whatever, you know, Hummels <laughs> or, you know, precious moments. It doesn't fucking matter anymore because. What kind of games you guys run? Jeez. Weird, really weird games. Hummels. What? <laughs> Murder City but, and Hummels. Murder City and, and precious moments. It, it's kind of weird. But, but you know what I'm saying is when you've got a short term goal or a long term goal for your character and then three sessions in, you know, you, you find out that the player stopped, they dropped it, they picked up something different. That's okay. Just got to roll with it. I mean, there's no reason to uh, make them adhere to something. I mean, I don't mind. When people drop stuff on me, that happens all the time. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I think you throw them a bone if they take it. Great. Otherwise, meh. I mean, it would be so. That's why I kind of like uh, the Star Wars FFG because I picked up two books this weekend. But there's some of those that have obligations. So, in, as part of your background, you could you can make obligations. So, for example, if it's a slight or major or minor obligation plays different roles even every session. You can invoke them as a GM. Um, so, I mean, maybe you're, and it could be, of course there is, it's more of a category, right? So if it's a family obligation, you're going to probably write up or do something to facilitate what that family obligation is. Maybe you, hey man, I bolted. But my father's getting old, and so now they're hailing me to come back to help out my family, whatever. So that's something that screws with the with the character. Right? It's kind of like the bonds from Dungeon World type of thing, right? I like so-and-so because of this, or I don't like so-and-so because of that. Yeah, a little bit, sure. It, it's, it's, a, it's a tool to use to interact with the world right. or, and the people around you. Well, yeah, and I, cause sometimes I think that with backgrounds – you know, in your typical D&D game, regardless of edition or Pathfinder, regardless of, well, it's only one edition, but regardless of some of those regular games that we play, the backgrounds don't play a role in anything. I think they can. I think part of it is, depending what you're doing, like it, with GURPS and some of those, even um, the old World of Darkness stuff, you, you'd have these advantages, disadvantages, flaws or advantages or whatever you want to call them. And people pick them. To kind of do the min maxi thing, yeah, right, yeah. in that perspective, and then someone be like, "I'm hunted. I have this. I have a twisted fate, or whatever it is." And then you have the player who will try to downplay that, or whatever it is. So what I would try to do as a game master was to key in on those big floss bends that people would grab onto, like, "I am destined to die gloriously." Okay, <clears throat> I'm going to give you a chance because there's no way you're going to have that flaw for free for you know X number of free character build points. Nah, that's not free, dude. Right. I'm taking I'm taking it out of your but ass. But that's not in D and D. D and D has D and D. This is my big beef about D and D. There's nothing negative in it. No, it's all it's all based on you know you and I having that collaborative back and forth. This is hey, my person is a gambler, so I'm going to gamble a lot. Okay, you're like all right, that's fine. But there's no mechanic within the game to say so what? Okay, yeah, you're a bad gambler. Okay. Now, as yeah. a GM, I would take all their freaking gold 
Yeah, I did that to uh, to Beta a couple times. He his last guy, Muddy Joe, was a was a gambler who couldn't. He had a system. By God, he was going to find another way to do it. Well, but it was it was a Pathfinder system, right? So there was no rule. Well, for that background, but I fucked with him anyway. Let me ask you this: Did he say he was a bad gambler or just a yes. gambler? Well, he was bad. Okay, so a bad gambler. Always was on different. the outs with his wife. He had a host of kids. He was always on the outs, getting booted out. Couldn't quite make it work. Because somebody he was a drunk could, too. Because somebody <laughs> could say, "I'm a professional gambler." But that doesn't give you enough to say, I'm going to take your money or I'm going to give you money. And then they'll get pissed off if you don't do one or the other. If you're a bad gambler, then the expectations are already set. You can say, yeah, I'm going to take all your money and all your money's gone and now you don't have any. And then the player's like, okay, cool, because they're expecting that. But if you just say gambler and then you take all their money, they could be like, what the hell, man? How come I win all of it? To me, again, that's why if you're going to let – if you're going to have people building backgrounds like that and there's no system mechanic to help impact, to help that background be impacted or utilized or whatever it is, if it's basically a gentleman's agreement, if you will, across the table that I get to be a gambler, I feel it's incumbent on me as player or as game master to flesh out what does that mean. Yeah, Because yeah. if I pick something that's that open-ended, I, I, need to, I need to work with you and get something going. Yeah, you're going to run into a, a shit storm down the road. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I like, I love. It's cool. Be, I mean, I really do. I love it when the guys give me these great character backgrounds. I've, I've run a number of different games for different groups, and when I ran for a, a group I had back at <clears throat> about three, four jobs ago, uh, four or five guys would give me these great backgrounds where the mage came from and this, that, and the other thing was really good stuff. All we were playing Greyhawk at the time it was great. It was a lot of really good information. They helped them get into character, so I really dig it. And I just I know that there are certain things that if I don't have the back and forth with you, and maybe this is you know as a game master, it's just a, a crutch I need. But I need to work with you through that background. Otherwise, it never seems to come to fruition. Yeah. If I just let you do it and then say, "Well, it's up to you, Sean. <clears throat> you just tell me when you think that background thing should kick in." That I mean, that's okay to a point, but I also need to have had some work in there so I can help you reach and realize some of those shorter, long-term goals that you probably set for yourself. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Shall we move on? I, th- I think we should move on. All right, we're moving on. Moving on to die roll, where we talk about two to five miscellaneous points of information that we want to convey to you around gaming, geekery, or whatever comes up in the news. I have a lot. I've got three. I have five. Suck it. Ooh, you topped out. Suck it, Brett. Nice job. Well, let me go through mine real quick. Why is it not doing I'm going to start at the bottom and work my way up. So uh, number three I had, um, I just saw this today, actually. Uh, A couple different folks posted it. Uh, There's some lost Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings footage. I don't know if folks remember this from back in the day, 1978-ish. Lord of the Rings, Ralph Bakshi did a kind of a rotoscoped version. <clears throat> if anybody saw his Fire and Ice, which was based on a um, uh, Frank Frazetta artwork type of thing. It's it's interesting. It's it's all Lord of the Rings. It's um, some live action, like I said, rotoscoped with um, different animation components on it. But anyway, point is, his son had discovered some lost footage. It's just a couple really short blurbs or blips of Gandalf fighting the Balrog. It's like, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 seconds of stuff, but it's just kind of cool. It's a neat throwback. I own the uh, the DVD of this of this version of it, and it's a lot of fun, so it was kind of cool to see. I'll put a link out in the show notes to uh, to where I found this, or I should say to where folks on Google Plus pointed me to. The other one that I saw was um, 
There are a number of HP Lovecraft uh, themed movies that are free. Lovecraftzine.com, another link we'll put out there. <clears throat> Excuse me, had a uh, had a bunch of different ones that are kind of collected some of the different YouTube movies that are out there. Uh, one I I saw yesterday, I hadn't seen it in a long time. Was HBO did a Cast a Deadly Spell, which is a very kind of campy 48. 1948 type of uh, uh, hard-boiled detective um, movie based on Lovecraft. The the main character is named Lovecraft. He's the uh, he's the he's the private detective, and the one police officer has worked with his name is Bradbury, and it's just it's kind of fun. It's a good thing. So check out check that out if you want to. And the last one is uh, I'm going to go to Gen Con this year. Sean's not going, but I'm going to go. And I know a number of folks out there who listen to us are going to be there, and I'd love to meet up with some folks. So. We'll probably, as it gets closer, I'll put something out on the uh, community about where I'll be and whatnot. But if uh, you are going to Gen Con this year, I'd love to meet up with you. Shake your hand. Thank you for listening. And uh, just, just BS with you. Talk some gaming for a while. So that, I thought that'd be cool. So I'll, uh, as we get closer, I'll post up more. Sean, over to you, brother. All right, number one, Fantasy Flight Games is hiring. They're looking for an application developer, warehouse associate, and a warehouse associate. It's funny. Somebody said, hey, they're hiring. Get into the gaming industry. And then they posted these. And I'm like, what? There's nothing gaming. I'm stacking pallets. Nothing gaming. This game. is awesome. I'm part of the gaming industry. You know what you know? Hey, you know what? As a recruiter, and you get away, if you're a warehouse associate at Fantasy Flight Games. You're in. It's not. I would take that warehouse associate over other warehouse associate jobs i would take that over working at say target or something like that stocking boxes yeah and you know what hey if you got good ideas just pitch them every day and then eventually they'll move you up to writing and then vp and sweet man you're running the show boom waka waka all right number two osr today osrtoday.com features map monday by monkey blood design so every Monday, Monkey Blood Design puts on, put like uploads a free map. So if you want a free map, it's usually dungeons or, you know, some of those. Check those out. Hmm. Cool. Free map resource. Maps some good, of you man. may already know about this, and that's cool. I, um, I can never, quite frankly, I can never have enough maps. There's so many. I mean, my iPad is loaded up with dungeon maps and just settings and stuff because. You never know when somebody goes, hey, I want to, what's inside this tavern? Shit. <laughs> I can just grab them and go. It's handy to have. Then number three, Matt Jackson, who's a guy that uh, I interact with on Google Plus pretty frequently. He's a military guy, but he does do a lot of mapping on his own. He can be found at www.msjx.org, which is kind of cool. He's got a four-letter domain, which is pretty odd. But, Very nice. Yeah, it's it's not a name. You can't get any four. You can't get any four-letter domains that are a name. They're all taken. But go to his website. He does maps, and he does, like, moleskin maps, and he actually has some of his stuff on drive through RPG. I don't know if Matt launches any of his maps for free just to, like, hey, here's a map I did. Go ahead and download it. Or if it – I don't know how often he does it. But I was in the mood for maps, and I decided to – put out that one and and Matt's. Oh and, yes, I have seen his stuff. I'm looking at his site now. This is this is some sexy stuff. He does good work. Yeah. Matt doesn't listen to the podcast, but maybe now that we've mentioned his name, maybe he does, I don't know. But now that I've mentioned his name, uh maybe he will. Who knows? But yeah, check it out. Number four. 
Savage Worlds Combat Flowchart. So I work with a guy who has always wanted to run Deadlands or Savage Worlds, and he came up with this thing, and he, he he's like, hey, I'm going to send you this. I came across the combat flowchart for Savage Worlds, and I'm like, cool, send it to me. And he did, and I looked at it, and it was pretty cool. So it's like, are you fighting melee or ranged? Bloop, 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 bloop. Yes, may, you know, ranged. Are you at close range, you know, far, you know, long range, medium range, you know, me, you know, close range. Okay. So there's no minus. So it's a really good, so he, there was an individual that posted on the, uh, forums. Wow. I got two links on there. That doesn't look right. But on pinnacle forums that posted it and then, um, said, hey, I, I made this flowchart for some new players of mine that don't get combat. So here you go. And I looked at it and I thought it was pretty handy. So if you're Savage Worlds or thinking about doing it and even just want to get a better idea of how combat works, these things are golden. So I'll have a link in the show notes. Number five. Number five. And she gets some Sound effects on those. Like some Casey Kasem. Number five. Coming in at number five. Yeah. Number five. <laughs> this one came up at the last minute. This is Rocket Book. Rocket Rocket Book Cloud Integrated Microwavable Notebook. Why? It's on Indiegogo. And apparently, so the fuck do I need this for? Seriously, the fuck do I need this for? What if you write your stuff out on a pad of paper and you want it digitized? Oh, that's why the fuck you want this, Brett. That sounds awesome now. <laughs> now I'm in. Now I want five of them. <laughs> why would I want this? Wait a minute. I want five of them now. This is awesome. Now that it makes money. total sense to me and I was freaking not understanding what the hell I was doing to begin with. I'm old and this new world is scary. Just shut up. <laughs> so the way it works is that um, how does it work? It's a combination of a special notebook and a mobile app. They work together to allow users to write notes by hand and create designs on paper, then effortlessly upload their notes to the appropriate files online faster than ever before. And they've got little icons of Evernote, Dropbox, and Google Drive. So to erase it, you throw it in the microwave for 30 seconds. Here's the microwave piece. You erase the book by microwaving it so you can continually reuse the book. (laughs) Isn't that freaking crazy? (laughs) When using heat-sensitive, erasable friction pens made by Pilot. Well, fucking hell. That sounds pretty cool. So it's it's another way to write in a notebook and handwrite it, and then it automatically digitizes that into probably your cloud uh, service of choice. And then to erase the actual notebook... Uh, in the ink and all that other stuff, you you nuke it. But I'll put it's an India go go. It's it's freaking crazy. Kind of no, I hate. I it sounded dumb as hell, and now I kind of want one. That's kind of cool. Uh, so to get one, I think you got an early bird rocket book is like twenty bucks. Standard eight and a half by eleven dot grid fifty sheet microwavable rocket book and one friction with an X I O N black pen by Pilot. At ten dollars off the future retail price, so there's limitations, right? There's a limitation of a hundred at that limit. Uh, the twenty five dollar one is a rocket book, uh, fifty sheets. You got to check this thing out. I mean, I think you know us as gamers. Cool. If you're going to write your stuff in a notebook and you want to digitize it, and then you can print it off, or 
you know, just save it forever because you don't want to like write it in a notebook and then you have 50 notebooks around and then you, maybe you just want to save it in case your notebooks burn. Um, you can always reprint them, right? And then spiral bind them if you want to. Hmm. Cool. You can't back up your notebooks unless you rewrite them. True enough. This is a way to, to fix that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool, Brett. Thanks. Oh. All right, I'll this forgive looks you. fucking stupid. <laughs> I'll forgive you for ignoring my character's background. Give it a dick. second, you freaking dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> no, all judgments will be passed immediately. <laughs> all right. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. Uh, thanks for tuning in to Gaming and BS. I appreciate it. We'll, uh, I'll definitely check you next week. And this is Brett. Thanks. Good night. Good game and all.